Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, it's Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. All right, uh, we survived our episode one uh, film commentary. It was uh, a bunch of fun somehow. Um, I am planning to do uh, eps two and three in my epic, um, yeah, prequel uh, rewatch and commentary series. We'll see. Uh, I think I'm going to need backup on the next two, though. Um, I need some moral support, perhaps. All right. Uh, yeah, just uh, here's some Star Wars th- thoughts for uh, for this episode. One thing is I got um, this really nice... I got actually two new Star Wars posters for the homestead. Um, one of them is a, uh, you know, one of those like typical big poster size posters of uh, Ray from The Force Awakens. Uh, you might remember from those uh, promotional shots that came out before the film. Um, each photo had like a close up of that character's face and um, some kind of, you know, like a, their weapon in front of them. Um, so you can see with Ray, she's got her staff kind of obscuring her face, but it's it's super nice. Um, it's like it's her face is so big that if if she was if she was like a if you saw her in that size, she would be as tall as a house or something. So it's kind of cool to have this gigantic Ray face staring down at me. Um, yeah, I mean, I love that character. It's just kind of cool to have. Um, have her looking down upon me and so that so I can kind of look to her for inspiration when I, when uh, when the need arises that's nice uh the other one that I got is a like a kind of like a very long thin stormtrooper poster that is like specially designed for doors so that's gone uh, on the kitchen door and oh you know you know you buy stuff like that online and you go yeah I hope it's the right size or I hope it looks good or whatever um and both those posters look really really good so that is really fun um it's like a dead spot in the Star Wars like news cycle really um you know Star Wars celebration was supposed to be in August I think yeah next month um but that has of course been canceled but I have to assume there's going to be a bunch of news coming out uh, around that time because there would have been if celebration had gone ahead um i guess we're going to get an announcement as to the uh the director of uh the next film a lot of people are assuming it's Taika Waititi but um yeah that has uh, it's not been said yet what exactly he is doing or what year his film will come out so um next month could be a big month for star wars fans um, all right, I I I thought this week that I, I I would like to kind of read some bits from Star Wars books that I've been reading. Um, uh, J. W. Rinsler's impeccable series of making of books for the original trilogy. Um, I uh, I finally finished the one for A New Hope, um, and I am 
part of the way through uh, the Empire Strikes Back one. Um, I got it for, like I got both those books four years ago. Um, so it's taken me a while. I, in a way, I feel like it's kind of um, I like to just take my time with them and um, kind of go slowly, savor them. Yeah, uh, this part that I've been reading in the oh, it's in, in the Empire Strikes Back um, making of. There's this really cool section um, where it is. Um, there is this this transcript, a fifty-one page transcript um, that it was of basically George Lucas dis- talking about his ideas for that film. And uh, so this was before the scripts had been written and stuff. So there's a lot of kind of basic ideas that going on there. Um, and it's kind of fun to see what he had in mind at the time. It's cool to think about, you know, what stayed the same and what changed. Um, so I wanted to read a couple, a few ex- excerpts so we could uh, have a bit of a chat about it. Um, one that uh, was quite interesting, I thought, was the one titled Lost Sister Development. All right, I'm going to read that. This is George Lucas speaking. I also want to develop Luke's sister. The idea is that Luke's father had two children who were twins. He took one of them to an uncle on one side of the universe and one to the other side of the universe so that they would be safe. If one got killed, the other wouldn't even know that the other one was there. She also becomes a Jedi. She's doing the same thing simultaneously that Luke is doing. Eventually, in some episode, not this one, we could cope with Luke and his sister and how she is and how she is the female Jedi and he is the male Jedi. Luke gets his awareness of his lost sister through gen- through the Jedi training. We can come up with some interesting pieces of background. I thought that was cool. Um Obviously, you know, you have this like uh, Leia is Luke's sister reveal in in Return of the Jedi. I think it's safe to say in retrospect, like if that trilogy had come out today, people would have been like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like, you know, um, as it is, you know, we, we love that trilogy and basically think everything about them is perfect, you know. Um but uh, it's kind of cool to hear that the seeds for that idea were already sown early in the process uh, in the making of The Empire Strikes Back. Also cool to uh, see that it was George's idea that Luke's sister become a Jedi. I think that, um, you know, the the idea introduced in The Rise of Skywalker that Leia was also, uh, she also like basically became a Jedi. Um, it felt for a lot of people a little bit like, what? Like, where did that come from? Um, so it's kind of, you know, I and I understand why people feel that way. Um, that is an idea that could have been explored way more, I guess. Um, but uh, cool to see that, George had that stuff in mind um, as far back as 1978 or 9, I suppose this would have been. Um, Oh, my God, no. It's actually late 1977. 
So as early as late 1977, he was uh, thinking about Luke's sister and the fact that she would also be a Jedi. All right, that one was cool. What was the next one? Oh my God, these books. It feels, it's almost like Christmas morning every time you open one up. There's so much amazing stuff in there. All right. Um, He talks about another teacher. So they already had Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously. Um, So he wanted to introduce another teacher, which of course was Yoda. Um, They had no name or anything for for the character yet. Um, So it's kind of fun to hear George talk about that. Let's have a read. Uh, This is George again. Um, The way to think of it is as this crazy little nitwit (laughs) that scurries around like a rat, which in the end teaches Luke a lot of stuff about the Force. It's not until the end of the third act that you realize that this guy is not a crazy little thing, but an agent of the Force, a teacher like Ben was. Maybe he is the one who trained Ben. They don't even know about this guy, or maybe they had heard of him, but he was a legend. Nobody really knew who or where he was. He's constantly making fun of Luke. It's the crotchety old man syndrome combined with the crazy funny person syndrome, where he says the simplest things and the simplest truths almost like a child. He could be very childlike, even though he's an old man. Yeah. Very nice. I think it's, uh, yeah, so that, the concept of, of Yoda was pretty clear already back then. Um, and I, it's, it's fun to think again that, you know, you know, people often comment about how much weight there was on that character to work, um, central character to the film, our hero, Luke Skywalker spends a massive chunk of the movie talking to him. And if uh, the puppet or the performance or, you know, Luke's response to that, if any of that hadn't worked, then the whole movie would have kind of collapsed. So, um, yeah, that was a good one. Um, I think that the other interesting stuff was about, yeah, the Emperor. Mm. Here's George again. The introduction of the Emperor is a major plot development. He may be the one who is saved for the end. When you get rid of the Emperor, the whole thing is over. The final episode is the restoration of the Republic. We ignored him in the first film. We vaguely mentioned him a few times. We have to begin to deal with him on a more concrete level this time. The question is how quickly do we dole out things about the Emperor? He's not as dramatic as Vader, but he's more sinister. Vader is just one of his lapdogs. <laughs> I love that. I think that, uh, just to pause for a moment, that a lot of people, as they got older and they were re-watching A New Hope, came to realize that although Vader was the, the ultimate villain and ultimate bad guy in the, uh, like, culturally speaking, for us in the real world, Uh, that you actually see evidence that he's just one of the Emperor's cronies, really, and that even a character like Grand Moff Tarkin is uh, possibly kind of of outranks Vader in a way. So, 
Uh, I thought that was a kind of cool thing. Uh, to continue, George says, Do we show the Emperor this time or wait until the next one when we finally confront him? How about if we don't see his face? He's just a hooded figure, reminiscent of Ben. In the end, the Emperor does exactly what Ben did. He can also transform himself. As Ben becomes the personification of the good side of the Force, the Emperor is the bad. Another way to treat the Emperor would be as a bureaucrat. Nixonian in his outlook. A Wizard of Oz type. Mmm, that was interesting. Um, yeah. I think, uh, you know, um, I think it's cool that they replaced the original version of the Emperor in The Empire Strikes Back with uh, Ian McDermott. Oh, man. I His name. How do you pronounce it? Ian McDermott, I think, is correct. Okay. Yes. Uh, they replaced the original version of The Emperor with Ian McDermott in the special editions, and that's good. Makes a lot of sense. But I love that original version of The Emperor. The uh, the voice actor has that classic kind of BBC English sound to his voice. Um, but I just love, I love The Emperor in general. Okay, the last part from uh, The Making of the Empire Strikes Back that I wanted to read was a really fun part um, about uh, with George talking about C-3PO and friends. So um, I just, I think when you listen to him describe this, A, he describes exactly how it turns out in the, in the finished product. And um, I think it shows... You know, um, the, to me, the prequels really fell down humor-wise. But when you read this, it, to me, it really shows that, like, George knew what he was talking about or knew what he was doing uh, when it came to comedy in Star Wars. So, C-3PO and Friends Development, let's listen. Another idea that didn't work in earlier scripts is to have some something happen to, C, to 3PO. He gets completely blown apart and we pull all the pieces, sorry, we put all the pieces in a box and carry them around for a while in the movie. You'll still have the same sympathy and feeling for him, so it would be interesting to have all this sympathy for a cardboard carton. <laughs> we might be able to tie it in with Vader, have Vader take his heart and smash it or turn it into an alarm clock or something. <laughs> Let's try and find an appropriate place for him to be broken into a lot of pieces. Should not be in first half of the movie. It'd be good if the Wookiee is three is 3PO's protector. We all like the Wookiee and we all like 3PO. And we know they hate each other. So it's nice that the Wookiee cares about him. Also, he's the only one strong enough to carry the bag of parts around. It's also a good joke because... Chewbacca is the last person 3PO would like to have putting him back together again. Suddenly, 3PO says, What are you doing? He starts babbling on and the Wookiee disconnects the head again to shut him up. We might have 3PO apologize to R2 and the Wookiee in the end. He then turns to the Wookiee and, and includes him saying, You're not so bad. Oh, that's nice. I just think that's... um. Some very astute uh, character work. And um, 
yeah, really shows that, man, George knew what he was doing at that time. Um, speaking of George, the next thing I wanted to read was also kind of about, about uh, not from him, but about him. Just a moment, I'm just going to pick this book up. So, oh, these heavy coffee table books, great. All right, um, another recent Star Wars purchase was another incredible behind-the-scenes book called Star Wars Costumes, the original trilogy, uh, by Brandon Allinger. I'm guessing at the pronunciation of that name. Um, this is a, a gorgeous piece of work. Um, extremely uh, high-quality uh, clo- uh, photos and close-up photos of the costumes of from the original trilogy. Um, I've only just cracked this one, so I haven't read that much. Um, maybe we'll get some more from this in further episodes. Um, but something that, you know, I, I feel like <laughs> after my last two episodes of more or less complaining from start to finish, I wanted to um, uh, kind of uh, look at it, uh, uh, you know, inject a little bit of uh, George positivity to make up for it. All right, we are going to listen. We're going to hear a little bit from one one of the um, costume designers. Her name uh, again, man. Sometimes you really got to guess at the at the name pronunciations. Aggie, I believe it is Aggie Rogers. So she was one of the people who worked on Return of the Jedi. She, uh, I want to just read the end of her kind of foreword. Um, she talks about George in it and in a really positive, lovely way. And I thought it would be nice to share that. Here we go. When I think back on the film, I see it in the minutiae of the day-to-day and not the whole picture. Sorry, not the whole huge picture. Working on a film that big freaked me out at times. So I always try to focus on what was in front of me for the next week or in the, in the next week or so, rather than the massive enterprise that it was. The thing that I truly appreciated on, jo- on Jedi was George's very big brain. Gads, he is so smart. Very, very smart. He manages these films expertly. He's in all of it and without a trace of ego. He has so many ideas and he, of course, does a wonderful job of communicating them in a clear, thoughtful way. That's my memory of the film. George moving from department to department, painting and producing the picture as he goes, sharing the energy from one department to the next until we were all moving in the wonderful, mm, synchronous spirit of the film. I have no idea why he put up with my deer-in-the-headlights look. (laughs) He is very kind and considerate. I truly owe him for getting me going in my career. He never put me in harm's way ever and kept encouraging me to do the best work I could and in his own way, keeping me chilled. I was very welcomed in this world of of Star Wars and I remain in awe that I even had the chance to do it. Oh man, thanks George, she says. All right. 
Such lovely words for uh, Uncle George. I think, um, yeah, we we tend to uh, poke fun at George a bit these days. Um, after you know, after the whole last twenty five years of of kind of wacky business in the Star Wars world, but um, it's nice to be reminded of a man. Yeah, what a talent. And uh, B, it's nice to hear how kind and supportive he was of uh, her uh, during the production of that film. All right. Here we go. It's about time to jump into our regular segment. Segment. This is uh, Tom's response to uh, a scene from uh, one of the films. We are, of course, still on the rise of Skywalker. So... Here we go. We are going to... I actually don't... You know, my Blu-ray player keeps track of where I'm up to. I have no idea. I don't remember at all. Let's see where we are and see what happens. It's nice. It's been a few weeks of not... Ah, great scene. So this is when Snap Wexley is is, uh, reporting to Leia and Rose... And they have this kind of goofy uh, bickering kind of thing going on. But it's like, I think it's like a genuinely funny scene, which is pretty amazing since, uh, you know, the, it's built out of uh, leftover layer footage. All right. Now we're in the uh, the tunnels under the quicksand. Um, I have to say, like, I think... When it comes to this film, I'm basically like having the best time ever up to this scene, really. Like, and it, I don't dislike it at all, but it it feels to me, it feels a little bit like, oh, no, but hang on, this is amazing. <laughs> Where Ray lights the, the, lights the lightsaber and then Poe lights the, the torch or flashlight, as you say in America. Ah. Oh. Super stupid. And I just noticed t- today for the first time, it looks like Daisy Ridley is on the verge of cracking up, actually, when she turns around. I'm going to have to uh, freeze frame that in the future. Anyway, what I was saying is, like, I feel like the, the, the quicksand and disappearing down into the tunnels, it feels a little bit um, just like something I would have watched in an adventure serial when I was a kid, which is perhaps the point, you know, there's so much of that kind of stuff in the DNA of Star Wars. Um, but it does lead us into uh, some really fun 3PO stuff. Um, so I'm just uh, kind of noticing, like, I feel so dumb in a way. Like, I bought, I finally bought a Blu-ray player, you know, because I... I, I I got a nice TV. Then I was like, all right, I need a Blu-ray player. Um, actually, no, I got the Blu-ray player before I got the 4K TV. So anyway, I bought that so I, so I could watch Star Wars, basically. I mean, literally, I just the only reason I bought a Blu-ray player was to watch Star Wars in good quality. And now when I'm playing Blu-rays on here, like I can, because it's a 4K TV, you can really... You can really tell, like, man, I should have just shelled out for a 4K Blu-ray player. 
because I've been watching Dark, the um, amazing German uh, TV series on Netflix, and that's in 4K. And it, you know, once you once you've been looking at, at that, you know, for for a few nights in a row, when you look at something on Blu-ray, which is it's it's almost ridiculous, but it it really is. There is a big difference. But here we are in this really fun <laughs> moment when. <laughs> 3PO refuses to read the uh, the Sith uh, writing on the dagger because it's against his programming. I thought that was lovely. Um, we've got this scene with, uh, you know, Ray facing this sandworm. It's cool. I, it just... I felt that... Um, it felt like a very obvious piece of um, foreshadowing, like as it was, as the scene was happening. I felt very like, oh, well, this is clearly setting up a healing ability that she will need to use later in the movie. Um, I guess when that stuff is done very skillfully, it's um, you don't really notice it. Until you look back and go, ah, yeah, okay. But this, like, as soon as it started happening, I was like, oh, yeah, this is um, foreshadowing, I guess, for something else. Um, pretty cool when you watch the making of stuff, that, and you see that um, they actually built a physical sandworm that looked fantastic, actually. Um, I don't know if they, they maybe they, they felt like, yeah, maybe. We'll end up using the the uh, the physical kind of creature in the finished product. They ended up replacing it with uh, you know largely with a, a CG version. But um, yeah, I think it's again like with these new films, it's so cool that they go to the effort of putting stuff physically in front of the performers to give them stuff to respond to and react to. Um, oh, this shot is killer. Come on, the Knights of Ren. Yes, they were underused, but when they are used, they just... To me, that is pure, cool, cool Star Wars design. I love it. All right, we're, we're going to just roll on and uh, continue and do this scene too, because... Oh, I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood for this. I think the Ochi ship is a really cool piece of design. Um, I don't remember the name of, of the designer, but he, I think, he, you know, it's not easy to come up with new Star Wars ship designs that don't look like pre-existing designs exactly, but still look like Star Wars. Um, I think they nailed it with that ship. It looks really cool. I love how dusty and mucky it is when they get up in there there's even spider webs that's good I love the um, what do you call it those like um, like lattice work is that no I don't know maybe that's wrong it looks like uh, Venetian blinds basically like on the on the um, on the front windshield more or less. I think it does really cool things for the lighting and it's like a, a cool thing that we haven't seen in other ships before. Um, ah, do you guys know what timpanis are? Those big drums that's 
that um, orchestras use. It's just such a classic, like, villain sound to put in. And they put it in when you see the Knights of Ren there, where they're kind of watching Chewie run past. It's, like, kind of obvious but perfect. All right. This is one of the fucking awesomest scenes. I It's so amazing. Ray walks out onto that desert plain. You see Kylo Ren's TIE fighter howling across the desert towards her. They're trying to get this ship off the ground. I mean, I just think visually, like this... This location was perfectly chosen. I love it. You know, like, it's even little stuff like this. I love I love just seeing, like, troopers doing stuff. Can I get, like, just a half-hour movie of just troopers trooping? Yeah, so they... they uh, oh, okay, here we go. Man, this looked amazing in IMAX when I saw it four times in IMAX. Ha, ha, ha. Man, oh, I miss going to the cinema. I just wish they would put the Star Wars saga in the cinema once a year so we could all just go see it. Bam! Lights the the lightsaber. The, the dust and sand is flying. Kylo Ren looks amazing in the cockpit. I re- that that red threading in his in his mask looks so cool. I mean, come on. Does this make sense, this whole scene? Nah, not really. But I just don't care. When I saw it in the in the trailer, it just blew my face off. And this is a this is a Star Wars hero to me. And then the flip. Oh, it's been a couple of months since I saw this. <laughs> now I'm just like blown away all over again. Looks incredible. This is why, like, I understand that people have issues with this movie. But even if it was just this sequence, that's enough for me to just be like, yep, love it. I mean, that the cinematography here is bonkers. Ray with her hand outstretched, trying to pull the ship back towards her. She just looks cool as hell. The lighting is cool as hell. You see Fucking Kylo Ren stalking out across the desert from the burning wreck of his TIE fighter. Come on. This is like, this is Star Wars to me. He's got the the helmet in his hand. Kylo Ren's theme drops. Now, that shot right there where it's this like extremely long shot. The ship is in the air and you see them both as almost tiny dots at either either side of the of this desert plain it's so dramatic the f- the way they are framed is so cool the close-ups are fantastic Ugh, shocking ah look it's happening to me right now i'm not even watching the movie probably every time she screams Chewy, and you see uh, Finn's reaction as well. The hair stands up on my arm. I get like chills across my whole body. Look at this. The horror on her face. I mean, Daisy Ridley 
I just want to say thank you, Daisy Ridley, for her performance in the, in these films. What a br- just what a brilliant choice she was. Now we get the cute Daisy Ridley running. She runs kind of funny, actually. <laughs> that a lot of us do. All right, I think we got to pause there. Whew. What a dramatic scene. I love the, I love how um, after the ship, you know, is destroyed, you see um, you see Kylo Ren, this smile kind of like spreads across his face because the Emperor has told him this is not just some rando out of the desert. She is related to me. She's my granddaughter. You need to know that. And I guess there might have been a bit of doubt in his mind. I don't know. But then when she accidentally destroys that troop transport, he knows that she is just who Palpatine said she was. <sighs> Great. Yeah. Again, I understand if people have issues with the film, but the high points are high. Hi! All right. I think that's enough for this week or this month. I don't know. I don't know. It's the funny thing. Like, I, don't, I just do this podcast when I feel like it. That's why it's Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Um, so it's not this week at all, but for this episode, I should say. All right. Uh, fun to get a bit of Star Wars uh, talk at the end of the day. End of the day. Um, thank you for listening. Hopefully, um, we'll be getting some fun Star Wars news in the next month or so to talk about. But until then, this is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. Yeah.